As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we do that, I'm asking you guys to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Just go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes and hit subscribe. Doing that ensures that you won't miss out on future episodes, so make sure you take a minute to do that. Today, my guest is Deidre Riggs, who is an author, speaker, and blogger. Her new book, Every Little Thing, Making a World of Difference Right Where You Are, came out in October, and she blogs regularly at jumpingtandem.com. Deidre and I have a great conversation about her wonderful childhood memories of reading, why she chose one of the greatest writers of all time as her hated book, how the right book just finds you sometimes, and why she's on the naughty list at her local library. Let's get to it. Deidre, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you could. Deidre, you've been reading since you were a little kid. You're an author yourself. You just started a book club on your blog called Forward, and we'll link to that in notes. These are the marks of a person who loves books. Tell me a little about why you read and what books mean to you. Yeah, well, you mentioned that I learned, um, I've been reading since I was little. And my mom, it was really important to my mother that I learned to read at a young age, um, and it wasn't anything she forced on me. I think it was something she saw in me that she would, she could nurture and that I would appreciate. So I can remember being on my grandmother's front porch in Virginia when I was like three. And we, my grandmother had one of those old gliders that, you know, metal glider and it kind of creaked. So you can hear that sound. And I can remember my mom and me on that glider with the, um, See Sally Run books, those books way back then. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I remember learning that, you know, letters make words and words make sentences and sentences make paragraphs and that we all have access to the same words. But when different people get a hold to them, they tell different stories because of the people who are holding on to them. And so I've just always been fascinated by that. So there's a little sentimentality there because it always takes me back to that, you know, those early memories with my mom and then being connected to my grandmother, but also because it just opens up worlds um, 
that I wouldn't know about otherwise. You know, I have my own imagination and then I have my own intellect about what I know. But when I read a book, it takes me to places I never could have imagined or informs me about um, things I never would have known or pulls something up out of me that needs to be dealt with. Um, and that can change my perspective on the world. So that's why I read. I can't not. Yes. Did you grasp that potential to step into other worlds through the pages of a book, even when you were so little? Yeah. So when I was little, you know, I just, there's this book and my mom actually got it for me for um, Christmas one year, just a children's picture book, but it had real, you know, photographs in it. Uh There weren't illustrations and it's called law L A W. And it's about a police horse. And, um, like in the city, and I feel like it's in New York City. And I remember reading that book, and I would check it out from the library over and over and over again, because it just introduced me. I didn't live in the city. I didn't know anything about horses. I didn't have any police officers in my world. Um, And I didn't even know police officers could ride a horse. So I just remember being enthralled by that story. So that was, you know, little girl. And then, of course, getting older, I read, you know, Judy Bloom and um, the, what is that? The People in the Attic. Oh my gosh, V.C. Andrews, you know, oh, those books. Um, I was always scared of those. I've never <laughs> yes, read those. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I didn't have these great literary experiences and I wasn't choosing these deep literary books, but just that, um, you know, weird fantasy kind of, this is something completely other than my own experience. Um, and I, you know, I was the child with the late, like up until three o'clock in the morning cause I could not stop reading the book. And then I had to get up and go to school the next day. And, um, and my mom tried to stop me and tried to keep, you know, get me to go to sleep, but there, it, it just wasn't happening. I just <laughs> had to read till the end of the book. And I, it's just always been that way. And I do that even now to this day. I love that. That's, it sounds like you have a great literary heritage (laughs) and there's something to be said for reading books that are so good that you can't put them down. Mm -hmm. Even if you do suffer the next morning. Yes. Yes. Well, I can't wait to hear what you're loving these days. Although Uh I'm so, I'm going to look up those books from your childhood. I'm so curious about the (laughs) New York city mounted police officer. Yeah. Let me explain how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love one book you hate and what you've been reading lately, and then we'll talk about what you should read next. Mm, All right. Now, let's start with your favorites. Tell me three books you love. What's the first one? Okay, well, you know, the world is full of books, so to narrow this down to just three is so And it's not your favorite ever. This this isn't the top three. This is three books you love. It could be out of 300. Okay. So the first book is called These Is My Words. Mm-hmm. I love that one. My mom has been on me to read it for years, and I mm-hmm. finally did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I love that book. I knew nothing about it. I went to um, some friends of ours have a lake cottage, and I went to stay there one weekend, and she had this book there. And it just, you know, sometimes a book just finds you, and this one found me, and Um, She had lots of books, but for some reason, this is the one I was drawn to. And I read it, you know, pretty much in that, that day that I found it. I think I carried over again, like till three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. But it's a story about a young girl who's, you know, part of a family that's um, like the pioneer family moving out 
West. Um, it's literary fiction, historical fiction. Um, and sh so she's young. And when she starts out, this is like her journal of this account of, of pioneering out to the West. And she's very young and she can barely read and write. And so when you start reading the book, it's, you know, very short sentences and not the, the grammar is off and the punctuation is off, but she's telling this story from her perspective. So it's not just the story, but it's the way that the story is told and the way that the author is able to um, capture her growth, not mm -hmm. just in the experience, but in the way she writes. And so through the course of reading the book, her writing gets better and her understanding of the world becomes more clear. And of course she has you know, there's some tragedy in there. And um, so it just changes her perspective. And you see that not only in the story, but in the actual um, form that the story takes. So it just fascinated me that the story was fascinating, but not only that in the story, the writer could change the, the structure of a sentence, you know, to show us that this person, this character was growing in many ways through this experience. Yes, I thought it was so well done. Mm -hmm. What's your second book? So my second book is Brown Girl Dreaming. And I read that book just this past summer. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved that book. I just, it just feels sweet to me when I think of it. I just think it's so sweet. And it's about a young girl. Um, and she's just telling her story about growing up Um but it's in, it's not prose. It's like poetry. And I have said forever that I don't like poetry. <gasps> and so <laughs> I was just going to ask you yeah. if you had a hard time making yourself pick it up because mm. I resisted reading it for a long time because I didn't think I wanted to read a novel in free verse, right. but something finally pushed me to do it. And oh, I just loved it. It was so yeah. beautiful. Well, lucky for me, I didn't know it was free verse. <laughs> How serendipitous. <laughs> yes. So I just saw, you know, it was floating. People were reading it. And so it was floating around the internet or I would see it in a bookstore and um, or read an article about it, you know, or just see that there was an article because if I would read the article, I would have known. But I just thought I need to read this book. Um, and I like to, of course, I like to read books about young brown women, you know, coming of age. Um so I picked up this story and I could not put it down. And I was shocked because when I read like the first couple pages, I thought, okay, well, this is a nice introduction and surely it's going to turn into prose. And it never did. And I was never thrown by that. It was just so beautifully written. It's such a beautiful story. And um, it just, it is just really, really sweet. And I remember not wanting it to end. I did read that one over a few days, but I just did not want it to end beautiful story oh it was so lovely and it mm -hmm. was just it was such a compelling story and mm -hmm. she told it so well she really did she did yeah and the things I didn't know about this book I knew about the verse I did not realize it was autobiographical ah. I, I thought it was straight up fiction and until yeah. uh, I got to the acknowledgement section and went mm. oh <laughs> no wonder she sounds like she knows what she's talking about yeah yeah she just did it so well I I don't know I'm sure I will read that book again there aren't very many books that I read more than once and this is probably one that I will read again I'm with you it's yeah. really a compliment to a book if if it's worth revisiting mm -hmm. because there's so much to read yeah yeah and then you just see it um 
you know, I just want to see if I see the same things when I read this book again. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's book three? Okay, book three is Bossy Pants. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Tina Fey, yes. I love Tina Fey. Um, and I don't usually read books like this, though. You know, I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't usually read books by celebrities or about celebrities. Um, but I like Tina Fey. And so I picked up this book in an airport. I was traveling from home to Texas one day mm-hmm. and I had to, I had a little bit of a layover in Denver. So I knew I needed, you know, something to occupy my time. So I picked up this book again, could not put it down and laughed out loud. Like in the um, terminal people around me, I didn't care. I was <laughs> laughing and on the airplane, I was laughing out loud. I was traveling by myself didn't know a soul on the airplane, but could not stop laughing. It's just so funny. And to read something that makes me laugh out loud and not be inhibited about that laughter. (laughs) I don't know. It just, I knew that she had done something and I was actually headed to um, a retreat to speak at a retreat. And I ended up using, it's a Christian retreat and I ended up using some of um, (laughs) what I had read on the plane as a, kind of a devotional thing. It was so Wow. Yes. She's was, versatile, that Tina Fey. <laughs> she really is. She really is. Um so yeah, I just love that it was, you know, free. It was a moment in time and it made me laugh out loud and I was just um delighted that something I was reading could make me feel that way. Oh, those are great picks. <laughs> okay. Now Yeah. This is fun too. Tell me what you hate. <laughs> And don't okay. hold back, at least not if the author's no longer living <laughs> or too okay. famous to care. So the truth is that the books that I just cannot get into mm-hmm. are the Jane Austen books. And I have tried and um, it's for me, it's just, I don't know. I just can't relate. I can't find a place to relate. I can't find my entry point into the story to be able to connect or care about any of the characters. Uh-huh. And, um, and maybe one day I will, you know, maybe one day it will happen. I'm not going to give up. I haven't given up and said I'm casting them to the side forever Uh because so many people have so much good to say about them. And I have seen the movies and I like the movies, but, um, just can't for some reason find an entry point with the books. So that is interesting Yeah, because they do have some of the characteristics you like, like they have strong women growing Mm -hmm. up. Mm-hmm. The the language is uh, peculiar to yeah. modern ears. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that could be it, too, because I read a lot um, of books for like research, for writing books or, mm-hmm. you know, working on articles. And so when I'm reading for myself, I don't necessarily want to work too hard <laughs> to be able to find my entry point. Um, and that could be it with with those stories. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. It could just be. I don't know. Maybe I just have a block and I need to find my way through that. But, um, you know, yeah. I, I do love Jane Austen mm-hmm. um, and I've read most of them numerous times. Yeah. But you are in good company. I mean, <laughs> lots of people who read very well and yeah. write very well themselves. Just they don't care. They don't like her. <laughs> and that's OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's good. It's that's good to hear as a writer, too, because it's, you know, important for us to remember that 
not everyone's going to like what we write. Um, oh. And that's okay. <laughs> that's know? a little that's, painful when you turn it yeah. around like that, since I mm-hmm. am a writer. But yeah, if, if it's true for Jane Austen, it's going to be true for mm-hmm. the two of us. Sorry. I am. <laughs> I, I'm not offended on Jane's behalf. <laughs> that is okay. No. And it's so helpful to find out what people like as well as mm. what they don't. So it mm-hmm. all it all forms the complete reader. And if you right. if you're the kind of person who likes everything, then where's the satisfaction in finding yeah. a good book? Yeah, True. you could just you could just shoot darts. <laughs> now tell us what you're reading right now. So right now I'm reading I'm I'm in the middle of writing a book and so I'm doing that thing I was talking about. I'm reading a lot of books for research. Mm-hmm. Um and they're good books. They're really good books. Um, one that I'm reading that is really, really good that I highly recommend is called No Future Without Forgiveness. And it's by Bishop Desmond Tutu. Mm-hmm. Um, just a really, really deep book. Mm-hmm. And then I also have just finished Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman, which was written in 1949, but really, really relevant for today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have this book, which has nothing to do with what I'm writing about, but it's a book that I just have had for a couple of years and I got it from the library and I haven't returned it. (laughs) 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 It's also um, historical fiction uh, with a strong female character and it's called My Name is Resolute. And it found me too at a time in my life when I needed that word resolute. Uh And so it's a book I don't want to end. Every now and then, um, I'll read some out loud to my daughter, who's 24. And um, so I don't know how the story ends yet, because I'm still kind of in the middle of it. But it's just a fascinating story about um, a young woman who becomes an indentured servant in America um, as a young girl. And it's just just how she how does she survive that? How does she make it through? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's, that word It's a big, resolute. thick one, isn't it? It is. It's really big. It's going to take me. I hope the library people aren't listening because <laughs> I, <laughs> I have to send them some money for this book. And I can't go to the library anymore because I have this book. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I hope that they would at least appreciate that you are loving what you got from them. Yes. And want yes, to savor I it. I hope so. I can see how they might cut you off. But, yeah. But I hope they're, <laughs> I hope they're happy, at least part of it. My picture is on the wall in there. <laughs> <laughs> the library's most wanted. Right. Uh-huh. Other than that you'd like your library to let you back in the doors again, is there yes. anything you want to be different in your reading life? Yeah. I mean, I just, I always am looking for that balance. So, you know, knowing that I'm reading some heavy, um, dense books about reconciliation right now, I just like to have some stuff to balance that. So, um, something that's fun um, and that is, lighter um you know it doesn't have to be fluffy but lighter and um just that's a good counterpoint to what I'm reading for research is that essential to your reading life especially when you're writing a book yeah I think so to feed all the parts of your brain yeah definitely I think that balance is important um even you know I write a lot about faith and one of my um, resolutions that I don't make resolutions, but for the purposes of our conversation, one of my resolutions for 2016 is to read a book that is not a Christian book, Uh, not, not a book, read only books that are not Christian books this year. So, um, 
just to broaden my perspective, you know, my worldview, it can get become such a bubble um, and, and it can become an echo chamber and it can be just people feeding what I already think and mm-hmm. believe. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, just balance in all those ways. Okay. I love your picks. These are great. And I have ideas. Um, okay. I can't wait to hear what you think about them. We okay. will get right to it after the break. Welcome back. Deidre, here's what I'm noticing about your picks. You've chosen books that are on the surface very different, but I can see there's unity in the underlying themes. We have stories about strong female characters growing up, coming into their own. Um, The protagonists don't mind painting outside the lines, and they're very reflective about their own experiences. And I also noticed, this might be total coincidence, and I'm wondering what you think, but your picks are all narrated in the first person. Now, what I'm wondering is, did you seek those things out on purpose, or did it just kind of happen that way? I think it must have just happened that way. Okay, interesting. And I also noticed that Jane Austen and some other books you've mentioned that you don't like (laughs) um, do not share all those themes. Mm. Like they share, you know, Austen's heroines are strong women, um, but but they lack some of those other those other traits. They're not quite as relatable. They're not first person narratives. The language Mm -hmm. is a little more. abstruse to the modern Mm -hmm. ear Mm -hmm. coincidence you think or not no I think that's probably right I think you're right you are this is like book therapy (laughs) (laughs) cheaper than the real one (laughs) a lot more fun too although it'll keep you up later (laughs) I also noticed that your books um, are all over the place for their time periods so Mm. I gave myself permission to do the same I hope that's okay with you good yeah okay All right. My first pick is a historical novel that I really loved that came out. It was a big sensation the summer before last and Oprah pick, I think, as well. It is The Invention of Wings by Sue Mm. Monk Kidd. Have you ever Mm. read it? I have not read it. Okay. Um, Many people have told me I should read that. Yeah, I'm excited that Mm. that's one of your suggestions for me. Well, I hope that means I'm on the right track. Yeah. Okay, here's the deal about the book. It's set in Charleston. It begins in November 1803 when a little girl from a wealthy family named Sarah turns 11. And so her family gives her a birthday gift. And that gift is a slave named Hetty, who is called Handful by her family because they think she is one. And it's a sweeping novel. It's fairly hefty, but you won't mind because it... it, drives itself along. Mm. Um, it tells the story in alternating forces, voices. You hear from Sarah, you hear from Handful um, <clears throat> about about what it was like to grow up during that time period. And the novel spans uh, generations. The girls move up and down the coast. And Sue Monk Kidd based this novel on the real-life abolitionist Sarah Grimke. And mm. as a narrative device, she just made up out of whole cloth the um the slave girl so it's an engaging mix of fact and fiction i think it has all the qualities you love yeah she writes such wonderful characters have you read anything else by her i have not no i haven't i'm i am writing this down i'm gonna get it well these will all be in show notes so you don't have to scribble too hard okay but if you do you might want to rabbit trail down the rest of her works after you finish this one she does she does write really compelling female characters Hmm. Hmm. exciting good okay Now we are going to go to, let's go to the modern time. What do you know about Life in Motion by Misty Copeland? I only can tell you that I love Misty Copeland. And I did not tell you this, I don't think. I um, 
my original intent when I went to college was to minor in ballet. No. Yes. Yes. So I am a big fan of Misty Copeland and I have been following her for a long, long time, but have not read her book. So now a lot of people know her from her stint on So You Think You Can Dance, which I've never seen. So don't, don't hate me. Um, But I hear I'm missing out. I would love to see it one day. But did you see her on that show? I I did. That's also one of my favorite TV shows. So I, yeah, I got to bump it up the list. Yeah, yeah. She is um, a force to be reckoned with, really. And, you know, just she's serious. She's serious about the craft and um, just about her role in the world. And she understands that. Um, And yeah, I just hold her in high esteem. Yes. And she's so self-aware about her own journey. So Mm -hmm. for those who don't know Misty Copeland, she, she's a ballerina. She made history by earning a spot as the only African-American soloist at the American Ballet Theater. And that is a really big deal. That is the creme de la creme. So in this memoir, she looks back at her unlikely path to success. So as Mm -hmm. a kid, she moved all over the place, um, she talks about how she she talks about her series of lucky breaks. There was there was really more than one, and then she talks about her incredible opportunities that she's gotten because of ballet. Um, this is not a spoiler. You probably already know this about Misty Copeland, but mm-hmm. my favorite part of the book was when she talks about Dancing with Prince and what mm-hmm. that was like and how that came about because yes. it just seemed like such an unlikely and awesome mm-hmm. pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm going to read that book. <laughs> now, now the story, the story makes it worth reading. Mm-hmm. She is not a writer. Okay. And sometimes you wish that, you know, you, you could have been her editor, uh-huh. but, but all in all, the writing is strong enough to carry the, uh, it's strong enough to carry the story, even if you're not hanging on every word. Okay. That's good to At know. At least not for its literary merits. Right. For book three, we're going back in time again to early 20th century New York. Have you ever read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith? I read that book when I was little. It was one of the books that my mom gave me to read as she was, you know, nurturing my reading habit, really. Um, And it's one of those stories. I just remember loving it and Lately, you know, honestly, I have been thinking about that book again. And so for you to mention it, that's, I don't know, kismet or something. So well, I hope you think that's a sign that it's one of those books worth yeah, rereading. I think so. So for those who don't know, this is a modern classic, but not the boring kind. And <laughs> it's funny, I read it because my mom gushed about it so yeah. long too. But she loved it so much that I think I didn't read it just right. kind of defiantly. But I finally right. read it. Um last year and thought, where has this book been all my life? And I was just sorry I'd waited so long. So it's about a little girl growing up, growing up in Brooklyn. Um, Yeah, I was afraid it would be boring, but a tree growing in Brooklyn is actually a metaphor that might be on the opening page. It's very early in the story. And I was hooked from there. Mm. Um, No description I ever heard before made me want to pick it up. So I'll spare you the plot synopsis, but it (laughs) is wonderful um and so evocative about Brooklyn that in the early 20th century Mm. Deidre I'm wondering if you connected to that book as a writer because Francie Nolan desperately wants to be her writer she sees that as their her way out and up Hmm. you know probably I don't think so because then I wasn't thinking of myself Mm -hmm. as a writer Mm -hmm. and 
um, it's probably something I admired in her, the way that she expressed herself through, you know, wanted to express herself through words and writing. But I don't think I connected that we were the same in that way. You know, I think that I was probably a, an observer of that part of her life more than a participant with interesting. her. So, yeah, so that's interesting. It's also interesting that I liked that book. I mean, same thing that you said about your mom, because my mom and I, while she is was my original pusher when it came to reading, she and I do not like the same books. Um, and so for us to both have enjoyed A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, uh-huh. is, that's saying something for us. Interesting. Yeah. Well, now that you have grown up and become a writer, uh-huh. I am interested to hear what you'll think about it from the yeah the the other side of that age age bracket. I think so too. I think, um, and I think I said it earlier um, in this conversation. I do think sometimes books bind us, and I feel like these three are kind of like sitting on the other side of my desk, just waiting. Like here we are for you. So I'm excited about <laughs> these suggestions. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear to it. Reading them. Well, what do you think you'll read next? I. I'm not sure. I feel like I'm going to get all three of those books. And I don't know. Do you read more than one book at a time? Sometimes I'm reading more than one book at a time. I am always reading more than one book at a time. But I do know that makes some people crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like I'll probably get all three and start them all. And one will push itself to the forefront. So um, I can't decide. I really can't decide. They all sound so good. I want to read them all right now. Well, I hope you enjoy them. I can't wait to hear what you think. Well, thank you. Thanks for the suggestions. Thanks for letting me be on. Oh, thanks so much for talking books with me. It was so fun. I'd love to hear more about your experience and your background with reading. Yeah, well, I will let you know how this goes. I'm excited about it. Okay, so for those who want to find you, we will put all your information in show notes. Thanks so much for coming on, Deidre. Thank you. Okay, have a good one. Hey, everyone. I love chatting with Deidre about ridiculous library finds and coming-of-age stories and Jane Austen. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Remember, you can connect more with Deidre at her blog, JumpingTandem.com, or on Twitter and Instagram at Deidre Riggs. Also, be sure to check out her book, Every Little Thing, Making a World of Difference Right Where You Are. Before we go, don't forget, go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes and make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. Thanks again so much for listening. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B-O-G-E-L. Okay, that's it for this episode of What Should I Read Next? As Reiner Maria Rilke says, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. 
Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.